Welcome back, Night Nurse Finds. How are you, Steve? <laughs> oh, I'm um, I'm taking the Night Nurse and yeah. any other in any other pill you can imagine. Right. If you want, we're we're, we're doing a bit of TV today, sort of. So go, it's, it's a, for the glamour, isn't it's it? It's for the glamour. Yes. Your new frock and everything. Go to yes. our Morning Brew Facebook page. That is where I'd love you to chuck up any comments. Literally, after we're listening. Yes, to it. Yeah, we'll do uh, that. You want to? Morning Brew is the name, and there we are live now. Before we start, Steve, have a quick listen. Everything has gone. Very, very it quiet, has, hasn't it? Yes. yes. Um, th- this is because the new Secretary for Justice seems to have gone into hiding. After, <laughs> I mean, this is this is the extraordinary thing. After um, all this fuss about whether she had a um, illegal structure in her house, you know, then there was the fuss you about. Mean if? Well, I, I, there's I'm, a blinking I'm, football pitch up there. I know. I'm trying. You know. You know me. I'm milk of human kindness um and then there was the controversy about whether even after she took on the job she should carry on doing her old job um etc etc so the response has been um that 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 very notable period of silence but i did a bit of research and goodness knows that happens rarely enough so i thought i'd sort of boast about it on the radio into the origins of the accountability system. Remember, she is a product of the accountability system. This was something set up by Tung Chi Wa during his ill-fated period as chief executive. And at the time, and it's so lucky that memories are short because you're not supposed to be reminded about this, but anyway, at the time it was said this was going to be an enormous shake-up of the civil service. It was going to preserve... That the system under which the civil servants were the executors of the job and a whole new breed of uh, people were brought in and the new breed of people would, would take full responsibility, including and up to resigning if something had gone wrong in their departments. They would be available to the public. In fact, it would be their duty to be accountable to the public and accountable to LegCo and that they would be paid fabulous salaries, of course, and blah, blah, blah. That was all in the document, the original document that was produced. And it also said, very specifically, that they were not allowed, while they were in office, to do any other form of appointment. Well, we now see um, that Theresa Cheng has been allowed to do precisely that. It's her old job, and it's a residual job. But nonetheless, the rules were very, very specific at the beginning. There's even bigger uh, set of rules in the original proposal, about what the principal officials can do after they've ceased being principal officials. But anyway, that's another thing. So what has been the outcome of this? Well, first of all, there wasn't any big shake-up of personnel. Practically everybody who took on this job was just a civil servant who moved, you know, from one side of the desk to the other side of the desk, got paid more, got paid off as civil servants, and became so-called accountable officials. Number two, what happened was, of those who were brought in, it's been what a ragbag. I mean, you know, most of them, or maybe at least half of them, I think that would be fairer to say, have had some sort of personal integrity issue. But this is the first time it's extended to the Secretary for Justice. And then you've got Carrie Lamb wailing away going, oh, it's so unfair. Oh, it's so difficult to get people to do these jobs. Oh, they want to dig into her personal life. Well, excuse me, Carrie. Read the documents that are produced by your own administration and they say this is how it's supposed to work. I'm sorry if you don't like the way it's supposed to work, but, but, but you know... So, so that being said, why is there any ambiguity whatsoever? Search me, Gov. I mean, what, 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 what's extraordinary about this is, is that the, the chief executive, the person who's supposed to be in charge of this system, who's a cheerleader for this system, um, 
at one level wails about how difficult it is to make the system work because she says oh it's very difficult to get people to join and the more they get questions oh there'll be even less people wanting to join well one of the reasons that it's so difficult for them to find um candidates for these jobs is of course they only look among that small circle of either people who are you know in the government camp it doesn't occur to them that anybody outside of the government camp or even neutral incidentally would be attracted to this. They've got to be fully paid-up cheerleaders. Or what they do is they take a few sort of stray Democrats, as they did in the case of Anthony Jung, they have in the case of Lodge Kwong, the current um, uh, social... Um, social... whatever he's called. Uh, social affairs, is it? I can't remember what he's called. Um, <laughs> or whatever he's called. Or, or whatever days. he's called, <laughs> minister. And they pluck them out of the Democrat camp and they say, well, as long as you swear never again to use the word democracy, you can come and join us. So, yes, it's true, the pool is small. The pool of people who are prepared to, to give up their former um, political alignment is, is small. The pool of competent people in the government camp among the flag waivers, is small. So, yes, Carrie, sorry about that. It's it's a pity. But then you've set that parameter. You've said you'll only have those sort of people joining up. Yeah. Let, whilst our listeners think about this, I mean, that that's a great place to start today. If you've got any comments, go to our Facebook page, Morning Brew. We're live, but that's where you can write them. I want to put something on your radar from Pete. Slightly different, but see what you think. So Pete says, I'm glad to see Carrie dismiss Paddy Ashdown's report on Hong Kong as unfounded and unfair. Steve will explain that in a minute. She obviously could not agree with the criticism of the UK for leaving Hong Kong with the legacy of, quote, rotten boroughs, which have impeded any progress towards democracy. Surely, says Pete, she couldn't be denying these facts mentioned in the report. Firstly, pro-democracy candidates barred from standing in elections secondly pro-democracy legislators removed from the legislature and thirdly peaceful protesters jailed for things like contempt of court thanks very much pete just carry on yeah i mean it was unfortunate for carrie lamb who said that all his allegations were unfounded on the day that yet more joshua goes down <laughs> yes more protesters were put into jail and the usual minions came out and go oh these by-elections i'm not sure that so-and-so can stand i'm not sure that so-and-so can stand we've we've got a new system in place to stop that happening so when she says the accusations are unfounded she wants to find a better way to do that. Mm. But let, let's just wind back very quickly. Yeah. Paddy Ashdown was the former leader of Britain's Liberal Party, and he, he was a High Commissioner for um, uh, the United Nations during the, the Serbian and Bosnian War. Um, but he came here under the auspices of Hong Kong Watch, which is a pressure group in the United Kingdom set up by um, <coughs> various people who are concerned about Hong Kong. And the main response that Carrie Lam had to this report, other than saying that the accusations were unfounded, and the accusations were, uh, you know, the concerns about the fact that six legislators have been thrown out of the legislature, that a shadow now hangs over the right of other people to even stand for election, let alone to be elected and then thrown out, the fact that increasing numbers of protesters are going to jail, the fact that freedom of expression in Hong Kong has diminished. All of these things are actually matters of fact. But she, instead of actually dealing with the substance of the matter, goes, foreign intervention. Well, it's the path that has been trodden by by people like her for ages and ages. When you have no argument whatsoever, you talk about foreign intervention. You go, oh, these people shouldn't be allowed, you know. They're, they're blah, blah, blah. But the problem is this. 
is that Hong Kong sets out its stall. You read the government propaganda as being an international city, as being an open city where people come here to do business, come here to do things like uh, even arbitration is an arbitration centre here. People are supposed to be coming here. This is part of the rationale of Hong Kong's existence, to be an international centre. And then you say, yeah, but that's all right, but we shouldn't have foreigners talking about Hong Kong. I mean, oh, unless, of course, they come here in the guise of the, the, the right-wing think tank, the Heritage Foundation, and award Hong Kong prizes for being the most open city on the planet. Then foreign intervention, perfectly all right. It's all, it's all good. So... I'm just wondering, I mean, what's what's her game? I mean, you know, either either Hong Kong is a closed little part of China or it is actually an open city. Yeah, it's very confusing. There's a bit in the middle that doesn't quite add up. <laughs> yes, I know. There's an equation that needs to be squared here. So I don't know how she's going to um, do that. In fact, of course, she won't bother. She'll just say, oh, you know, foreigners coming here talking about Hong Kong very, very bad. Well, Unless you can't police people's nice thoughts and, and you can't yet do well, that. But, you know, you? in grown-up countries, this happens all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would I hasten to say that I come from a country, i.e. Britain, and I can tell you foreigners have very, very nasty things to say about Britain as it goes through the lunacy of its Brexit process. The other things... And the, just, just, just to finish that, and, and the response of the government isn't to say, oh, foreigners shouldn't be talking about our policies. They, they at least, even though they've all gone completely bonkers in my view, at least they try and address the questions that have been raised rather than questioning the, the status of the people asking the questions. Accusing people of meddling, it's very aggressive. It's, it is also what we've been hearing years. Anytime China gets pulled up on something... Foreign meddling. Foreign yes. meddling. So it's not like, it's like, yeah, whatever. Look, I want to read something here from Andy for you. He says, Judge Wally of the Court of Appeal noted an unhealthy trend in Hong Kong society with some members of the public, including educated people, recklessly breaking the law in the name of pursuing their ideals while refusing to admit it was wrong to break the law. He was talking about Joshua Wong in July 17, but remarks could also apply, says Andy, to Teresa Chang. More seriously, what's the similarity between West Kowloon Station cross-rail relocation and Teresa Chang's basement? I'll go with you on this one. Both are illegal structures, <laughs> says Andy. Which has the biggest basement, West Kowloon Station or Teresa Chang's house? Difficult to know. Yeah. Oh, gosh, there's a lot in there. There is. Yeah, just in case anybody has forgotten um, about the recent case involving uh, Joshua Wong and the um, protesters who are in um, Bangkok at, uh -huh. right at the end of the Occupy protest. This is what the latest uh, court case was about. You know, all, all these people say, oh, you know, these students, they, they should face up to their responsibilities. What they failed to um, have noted is that Joshua Wong pleaded guilty. He didn't say, I didn't do it. I didn't it. do it. He, 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 said, he said, look, I, I'm there. It was an act of civil disobedience. I'm prepared to accept the consequences. That's actually quite an important... You may say it's a small point, but it is quite an important point. It means that people who have been protesting do accept their responsibilities under the law and are prepared to go to jail for it. Mm. So, I mean, that's not, not a small thing. It's quite an important factor, which, needless to say, by all the flag wavers, has, has, has been overlooked. They're going, oh, these youngsters think they can break the law at will. Actually, they don't. They say we're prepared to accept the consequences of civil disobedience. Civil disobedience for the young people who are listening, i.e. members of the Hong Kong administration, is something which has been recognised throughout the world as a way of changing. Yeah. 
society. Well, uh, once again, join us on Facebook Live if you can. Morning Brew is the page. You can see and contact Steve. Good morning to Daniel. He says, good morning from Laofao Shan. So good morning to you. Um, all We've got stuff- overseas listeners. Overseas, yeah. All the stuff you talked about um, this morning seems to be pointing towards it really is becoming... Well, no. Um, this one rule for one lot and one rule for the other. But it's, it's black and white, seemingly, right now. Well, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, the the conclusion that we draw from the um, Theresa Chen case is that the law is only for the little people. You know, um, if she wants to... In to fairness, this a, ain't over yet, though. This I mean, ain't, this ain't by over. going quiet, it doesn't it, mean it's no, going to well, It's true. You're quite right. The fat lady has not come on and sung yet, so we're, we're, we're waiting for that. But in the meantime, it is a fact that that what they seem to be saying in the government is that if you're a very important person and you're too busy to attend to things, and even if you're a lawyer and you can't be bothered to read the legal documents that you've just signed, that's all right. I mean, if I, average Joe, who also happens to live in the New Territories, goes along to the land departments and say, my good man, I'm very, very important, very, very busy, and I haven't had time to to look at what you allege to be an illegal structure, what do you think their response would be? Uh, Six months or ten. Yes, or possibly... I Possibly was, uh, something and off. I, I, um, I was too busy. That's extremely dismissive at first. I'm too um, busy. And by the way... But it, it's kind of, I'm too busy and too important. That, but what that's it also the implied says, Steve, other part is I'm that. very, very disorganised. <coughs> and if I'm very, very disorganised, I shouldn't be in that job in the first place. And, and, but the one I liked even more than too busy was, uh, here is somebody who not only is a lawyer by trade, she's actually a civil engineer by profession. That's what she did before she became a Ducks lawyer. Ducks row in. Yeah. And then she says, oh, well, there was a mortgage document, but, you know, it was awfully long. I, I, I couldn't really go, go through it. I'm thinking, gosh, isn't that what lawyers do? So you've chucked your professional credibility out the window. But if you, if you want to say, well, if so-and-so didn't understand the law the well, then once again, oh, you shouldn't be in the job. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm staggered. I really am staggered that that the uh, powers that be are so determined to cling on to her. I, I I have no, I know nothing about her personally, but I do know that that you know what they they have is this that they're like the popes. You know, they have papal infallibility. Once we've decided that something is to be, that decision has to be right, regardless of any of the evidence. Now. Under the new um, LegCo system, they're, they're in a, the, the, the administration is in a very strong position because the, the flag waivers in LegCo have d- denied themselves many of the powers of investigation that existed before. And because they chair all the relevant LegCo committees, they can stop the questioning of principal officials in a way that we've got used to. So, you know, people were going, oh, I don't know what they're going on about in LegCo. They're going to make the business much more efficient now. Thank goodness for that. Well, it's true. If you want a chamber that does one thing, which is say yes to everything, yes, it will be very efficient at that. If you want a chamber that actually does its job of surveillance... bye-bye all right then well we're going to keep them rolling throughout the news we'll be back in just uh, a couple of minutes or so if you want to find out more what we're up to this morning morning brews the facebook page morning to jerry who i think joins us from the united states somewhere and good morning for rick who says he's grayer than i am (laughs) (laughs) he's banned he is so bad well it's 29 minutes to 11 still in with steve vines well, I, there's another thing that was interesting. I mean, despite the fact that LegCo has been largely detoothed, you, you've got the Public Accounts Committee that still seems to be doing its job. 
And one of the things that they came up with yesterday was the fact that they're very worried that the Inland Revenue Department isn't paying enough attention to these rather enormous tax breaks that are given to charities. Well, nothing wrong with that, but the question is, and the Public Accounts Committee was quite right to ask that question, actually, is all that money going, you know, to these worthy causes? I mean, a lot of these new... There's been an explosion, incidentally, in the number of tax-exempt bodies. I mean, they've gone up from... um, uh, just just about 10 years ago, there was about 4,000 of them. Now there's about 9,000 of them. In this new number, there's a very large number of new tax-exempt bodies being created by the tycoons who've set up foundations, <coughs> and the um, which are charitable in nature. But the question is, to what extent are they or any of these other so-called charities actually devoting the money to the purposes stated. And it seems, from the response of the Inland Revenue Department, that they haven't even bothered to look into this. So, you know, I mean, I know of one of these tycoon-funded bodies that's been going around employing people at very, very, very fancy salaries in very, very fancy premises. Is all of that going to be tax-exempt? I mean, surely the whole point of having tax exemptions for charity is that it's only on the money that actually goes for charitable purposes. It doesn't go, but of course it does in Hong Kong, but it shouldn't be going to these lavish um, institutions which administer these charities. There's also some quite well-established charities in Hong Kong over which the same question has been asked. You know, why do they pay such high salaries to their officials Why are they, you know, forever holding banquets and blah, 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 uh, which which they they describe as fundraisers, but some people would say detract from the purpose of the charity, which is to get funds from A to B. And, you know, you always get this self-righteous thing, oh, we're doing it for the kiddies, you know, you're anti-kiddie if you you question the way we do it. No, no, it's a reasonable question to be asked. The Public Accounts Committee found that that something like 1.4 billion uh, dollars in taxes is being foregone because of these charitable um, uh, uh, wheezes. Some of them aren't wheezes. Ruses, some of them wheezes. wheezes. Some of them are quite <laughs> genuine. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, all they're saying, and it's a perfectly legitimate question, is why the hell isn't the inland revenue being a bit more vigorous in looking into tax exemptions? Because it's the public's money. How did this get bubbled? This How, how come this is on the radar this week? Oh, Has I think ju- ju- just because there was a report, uh, you, you know, as ever. The great thing about bureaucracies is every now and again they spew out a report and it gives an opportunity for people to make questions or to to ask questions even. But there's a reason. I'm wondering if there's, there's, you know... Oh, it's just because there's been... no. I think it is because there's been such... Well, it's an annual report. Yeah. I I think it's... But I think the thing that sparked everybody's interest is how come the number of these um, tax-exempt bodies has grown so fantastically, more than doubled in Hong Kong in the last 10 years. Mm. That, that, that's the sort of thing that excites interest. Excited my interest, I have to say. So what kinds of things are we talking Yes, charities, I know. But well, is, what, is we, there what, a, what, what we're talking about is... Here? No, I think what we're talking about is, is you know, so-called charities that, that, that use half of their funds for their own purposes, you know, which would come under administration, salaries, premises, you know. They pay quite well, to my knowledge, some... 
Some do. Some and of I the think that's, ones that's, that's, but that's, then, but then you must ask yourself this. I mean, it's for the administrative people. It's a job. So why should they be paid? You know, peanuts no, no, when there, they're doing no a job. Re- there, there's no reason that that they should. But I mean, if the average Joe thinks that they're giving money to to the kiddies, it's always they always say, "Oh, it's you, you, it's I know. the kiddies." Um, to the kiddies, then you know, and and then they find out that half of that money actually doesn't even get there. It's an interesting point. It is. Um, when you find that the big tycoons who who say and make a lot of a lot of fuss about the fact that they're giving away their money, but they're doing it through organisations, through trusts and institutions which are tax exempt, mm. you, you know, sitting in very very luxurious uh, buildings with with very highly paid staff, you're beginning to say, hmm, that's an interesting form of charity. It is. It, well, all I'm saying is questions need to be asked. In the middle of this, let me just emphasise in case anyone's missed it there are many charitable organizations in in hong kong doing a very fine job without all of this stuff yeah so you know the problem is that the good work that they do and the efficient way in which they raise money and distribute it is being detracted from by these people who are technically known as shysters i like that word it's a very good word. Brilliant. My favourite word a couple of weeks ago was apparatchik. Apparatchik, a good old Russian word. I like that word. It's yeah. fantastic. All it's, right, Steve. It's amazing what Russian has given to the English language. Apparatnik, apparatnik. Soviet. Soviet, of course, is a Russian word that we all know nowadays. But they seem to fit so beautifully. They do. We've got time for a couple more. We do. Shall we talk about one of my favourite subjects, the bridge to nowhere? Ooh. So, yes. so we're now being told that the bridge to nowhere, this is the Macau-Juhai Bridge, is probably, or will, or may not, but anyway, sometime it will open, maybe this year, maybe next year. And so the, the Secretary for Transport comes to LegCo and he's asked, so you're telling us the bridge is going to be open, yeah. how many people are going to be using it? And he goes, well, don't ask me. So they say, well, surely this is a pertinent question. And he says, well, I've got some figures that were produced in 2008. Check your watches, people. That's that's a decade ago. And they said, you know, that by 2030, something like 29,000 vehicles per day would be using the bridge. And by 2000, 2037, it would, raise, it would rise to 42,000 vehicles a day. Incidentally, just to put this in perspective, that's, that's a droplet compared with the number of vehicles that goes across the, the Cross Harbour Tunnel, for example. But anyway, never mm-hmm. mind. Um, he says, well, we haven't done any new figures, and I love this, because the bridge is going to open very soon, therefore, what's the point? I'm thinking, uh, yeah. isn't, isn't that precisely the point? I mean, you do you have a transport policy? Is, the, is this bridge actually for transportation purposes? You really can't be what's it did, to get off your backside and find out how many people are likely to use it. By the or, way, have you heard this week that there's a company bunging out dodgy passes for this for 450 grand? Yeah, these are the, these are the, um, these are the vehicle um, cross-border um, licence plates. Yeah. Yes, it's good business, that. I, I, I'm, well, they're going to increase the number of them because, of course, there's hardly any. I mean, the whole thing... Remember, you, you, you and me can't get in a motor and drive across the bridge. Well, You've I got, actually can't you, you, drive you, across the <laughs> I keep forgetting you don't have a car. I don't actually know anybody else without a car, but I'm sure there must be people like that. Um, but even if you have a motor, a normal motor in Hong Kong, you can't do it unless you've got one of these special number plates that allows you to cross the bridge. So 
you know, the whole thing, just, just, just every time you hear more information, usually the more information is, oh, it's going to cost the Hong Kong taxpayer another billion here, another billion there, but hey... It's other folks' money, so let's not get too fussy about it. Let's do a couple more electronic mails. Thank I you see. very much for getting in touch to John and to T. Have it, I'm passing okay, it Okay, let's see what we got mails. here. So have we have, have from... John. Tom. He says... Um, um, oh, I think he's talking about... Oh, yeah, he's yeah, talking about... Uh, we're back to Teresa Chang. He's talking about the fact that she, <laughs> she's... She's one of the great and the good. He points out she's been a chairperson for the Provisional Minimum Wage Commission. She's been Transport Advisory Committee, the Town Planning and Billboard, the Environmental Act, Impact Assessment Board Panel, the Appeals Tribunal for Buildings, the Copyright Tribunal. She's currently the chairperson of the Financial Dispute Resolution Centre and the Air Transport Licensing Authority and a member of the Construction Industry Council and two working groups on... Mediation. God, I'm exhausted just reading out this but list. They, this is fantastic, though, Steve, because they all somehow link in with the hoo-ha that's going on. It's like you couldn't Adam and Eve it, could you? Yeah, I mean, but, but what it tells you is that, that the pool of people who are chosen to be members of these organisations, government bodies, yeah. and are chosen to be uh, uh, appointed officials in the way that she has... They must. It must be a tiny pool because they they do so many other things. You know, they won't open the door to other people. Um, but anyway, she's got a gold bohemia star, so that's good as it gets. Mm. I don't know. Gosh, I don't 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 know whether uh, that that tells you all you need to go. And he also says, okay, oh, hold on a second. This I've got to say. You know what I'm going to say now. So, go on. so Anthony Lawrence, the, the the famous journalist, retires. He has a big going away party. Hundredth birthday, wasn't it? Hundredth yes. birthday. Yeah. And Martin Lee was there, and uh, it was a brilliant occasion. And um, so Anthony Lawrence, lovely, lovely bloke, he got the bronze Bauhinia star. <laughs> and Martin Lee goes, well, oh, maybe they'll give him the real one next time. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All yours. So that's from that's from Tom. And we have something here from John who says, I guess as for Carrie Lamb um, in the Secretary of Justice Legal Structures, blah, 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 it's once burned, twice shy. By not backing Miss Cheng, she would be slapping down the Hung Yi Cook. Remember in 2011, when Mrs Lamb was head of the civil service, Rural groups burned effigies of her after she suggested, sorry, she suggested cracking down on legal extensions that villagers had been adding to their houses. Yes, oh, good point. I don't remember. I'd forgotten well done, about that. Well done there. Good John, point. John, so, yeah. and of course, um, she did back down. She did back down. You remember in 2011? All that. Yes, it's a bit I do. blurred yes. to me, but you... it, 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 I mean, thank God our listeners have a better. Better recall of events than anybody who's uh, running the government. Yeah, well done to John and Tom. John, John and Tom. Good. John and Tom, thank um, you. We're going to go on for a few more minutes. You can either morningbrew at rthk.hkme or, for a bit of fun, go to our Morning Brew Facebook page uh, where people can just write what the heck they like. One more, Steve. Well, should we just very quickly... Do what you like. We, we've got a new estimate. Oh, yeah. You like your new estimates, don't you? Mm. I had one of those the other day. Um, it's from, from the accountants, Ernst and Young who forecast that, the, that the, the surplus in the budget will be ten times as high as, as previously stated, and it will go up to £160 billion.